What's in a name? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. That's by Romeo and Juliet, Act 2, Scene 2, lines 43 through 44, if I remember correctly. And that's by William Shakespeare. So, you know, if I asked you to name any type of a garden, what would you say? Cottage garden, a formal garden, a vegetable garden? Probably. I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that if I asked that question, the overwhelming majority of people would say a rose garden. Because there's just something about roses and gardens. And you just can't blame people because roses are absolutely wonderful. And so for the next few podcasts, we're going to be talking about roses, which if you weren't aware, are my favorite flower. So I know that I've told you guys in the past that I became a gardener because of roses. And I have told the story, but I'm gonna kind of repeat it because I know that I have you subscribers and you probably have not gone and found that video. It is on my blog and it's on the About Me section. I don't even know if it's on, on YouTube at this point, I'll have to check. So I was not a person who started out being a good gardener. Um, I, in fact, I was banned from the garden. <laughs> I killed everything. Um, if my mom told me to go outside and weed something, I was usually pulling up plants because one of the things I struggled with then and even now is I struggled to tell the difference between a flower and a weed, particularly if there's no flowers on it. Because they're, to me, they're just indistinguishable. So that's one of the reasons why you'll notice that I start all of my seeds in containers rather than putting them out in the um, in the garden because I just can't tell. So I was constantly pulling over plants, which obviously did not make her happy. And then there was the time I killed a tree. I believe it was a tulip tree. My sister tells me that no, in fact, it was a dogwood tree. I ran over that with the lawnmower. And my mom was once again not happy about that. And then I know there was this one time where my mom tried to get me to fertilize something. And I think at this point she was just kind of starting to lose hope that I would ever take to gardening. And she asked me to fertilize something. And somehow I managed to spill the fertilizer and it was like miracle grow and it just burned this huge swath of grass. So after that, my mom just was like, you know what, this is clearly not going to work out. So she sent me to do stuff indoors, like cooking, because I am actually a really good cook. <laughs> and that was something that I was very good at. So I was out of the garden for a long time. I think when I finally got banned, I had to be maybe, I don't know, 12 maybe. And so I like looking at gardens, but that's just one of those things. I was like, oh, it's just, it's just not for me. So what changed all of that? Well, Martha Stewart did. Uh, when I was in college, I came home, I remember for Christmas, and I was up past midnight, as most college students are. And that was when she had like the first, you know, Martha Stewart show. And she was doing a segment on gardening. Now, I watched it. I got hooked because I like the food, because she can cook. I like to cook. I was learning new techniques for baking. And so she did a section of gardening. And it's not that I dislike it. It's just that I can't do it. And so she started going into the science of it, which was something that I had never 
encountered before. My mom and even my sister tend to be more, I would say, more intuitive gardeners. They just kind of, I don't know, it just works. I'm not like that at all. I, I need books. I need to read. I need to research. I need some science behind everything. It's just, that's just the way that I am. And so the more I started watching these, these gardening segments, I was like, I was learning a lot. And I was like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to actually try some of the stuff that she's talking about. And so I remember that, you know, I went home and I remember it was like after I graduated and I was telling my mom about what Martha Stewart said about the soil and the soil composition. And we tried it and we noticed improvement in the soil. And so I was just like, oh, wow. And my mom, I remember my mom's plants in that section were actually a lot bigger. So then I was like, oh, you know, I guess that's, I guess that's what I was doing wrong. I think the issue is I wasn't learning the science. I just didn't understand the whys and wherefore or untoes behind it. And that's just the type of person, I guess that's how I learn. So in terms of roses, how I got into roses, well, there was this show that came on when I was in college called Roswell. And it was on, I think it was the WB7. Was it? I was either like the CW. It was like either on channel 17 or 57 in New Jersey. And I remember one of the characters, Isabel, who's played by Catherine, um, I think her last name is pronounced Heigl, Hegel, got some sterling roses from an admirer. Now, I like roses because I think most girls do. <laughs> it's just the flower we equate with love. And so what was interesting about these sterling roses is that they were lavender. And that they were, and what the character said was that they're very expensive, you know, they're very rare and they're very expensive. So, of course, I hit the World Wide Web to find out more about these sterling roses and they were very rare and they were uh, expensive because they was probably one of the first like lavender, because it was like a silvery lavender, but it was one of the first like lavender roses that they came out with. And so I loved it and I decided that I was going to grow roses because, you know, the sterling rose was absolutely magnificent. And so I remember that after I graduated, I'm trying to get this point. I think it's it was actually after law school that I tried this. And I remember that I was trying to track down a sterling rose. And I ended up getting it from, I think it was Triple Oaks Nursery, which is in, I think, Franklinville, New Jersey. And I remember when I was calling the woman and asking her, could you get me this rose? She was like, yeah, I can get it. I think, I think it was like Star Roses or maybe like Perkins, Jackson and Perkins or something that had it. And she's like, yeah, I can get it. She's like, but why on earth would you want this rose? I was like, because it's, you know, lavender. She was well, why don't you try the stainless steel uh, rose? Because it was similar in color. It actually was a little bit more gray, but it was hailed as the improved version of a sterling rose but I was like no 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 I I want the sterling rose and she was like yeah this one is really not that great but I wanted it and you know that should have been my first clue <laughs> that I was getting in you know way over my head but I purchased it and you know I read books on you know 
not books, but I read, did a lot of research online with respect to growing roses. I even went to some of the seminars from uh, hosted by the West Jersey Rose Society on roses. And, you know, actually for the first summer, like for the first couple months, I actually did pretty good. It bloomed. It, you know, I, I was making sure I deadheaded it. You know, I was giving it fertilizer. And for a little bit, it, it was actually doing quite well. But then, of course, my climate hit it. And so I've, you know, I mentioned this more than once, but I live in New Jersey, Southern Jersey, Burlington County, and I'm in Zone 7A. And so one of the things about Southern Jersey, and actually I think in New Jersey in general, is that we have humid summers. And I mean humid. As a matter of fact, I have a moisture, like a a humidity reader inside of my house. I got it because I have a wood-burning stove, so I do have to turn my uh, my humidifier on just because wood-burning stove really makes the air dry. But, you know, during the summer, I was just curious. And quite frankly, this summer was not as humid as it usually gets. And the humidity inside my house was like 70%. And like I said, that's not how humid it usually is. It's usually more than that. And so... When you have a lot of humidity and you get rain, especially if you're doing like overhead watering, which actually now to think about it, I really wasn't doing that too much. It wasn't so much overhead watering, but um, when you have that kind of humidity, like it, that, that's a perfect recipe for black spot. Black spot only needs like, you know, six hours. Uh, that's all it takes for rose to get black spot is six hours. And I think I do, I don't think I was doing the fungicide thing. I think I was just doing fertilizer. I don't think I realized you needed to do the fungicide as well at that time. And so like a lot of roses, when they get black spot, it's like game over here. There's a, there's a specific type of rose that actually does well. And we're going to talk about that in another podcast. But uh, for the most part, like a lot of like hybrid teas and that sort of thing, even floribundus, you know, they get black spot and they're, they're pretty much goners. And so that rose did not last. And, you know, I didn't let that stop me. I went out and got another rose. It was not sterling. <laughs> it was uh, something else. But, you know, it was probably a good, I would say, four or maybe five years before I got a rose to survive a winter. And it got to the point, um, I think by like year four or five that I was ready to give up. I was just like, you know, the rose thing's just not working out. I had started getting into other plants like, uh, like the, um, the Asiatic lily and I was having good success with that. And I just felt like, you know, roses are just not one of those things that I'm going to be able to grow. Or if I get it, it's just going to be for me. I was like, I'll just get the bare roots. And I said, it's for me. It's just going to be like, you know an annual. So like every year I'm going to have to replace that. Cause I know I got to like the pinata rose one year and I think I had a Cinco de Mayo. And so I, but they didn't last more than a season. So I was like, Oh, I guess if I treat it as an annual, you know, I said, but that's, I mean, granted I wasn't spending a whole lot of money. Some of those roses, especially the bare roots you get from like Walmart or Lowe's at that t- point in time were like five bucks. So it wasn't too bad, but I was just like, okay, roses, that's just not something I wanted to be a rosarian. And I was just realizing that that was just not going to be a, an option for me. So uh, 
last stitch effort. I think this was probably in year maybe 2011, maybe 2012 or 2013. I was researching about like, you know, easy to grow roses and somehow I hit on uh, David Austin roses and I also hit on the whole concept of bare root versus own root roses. And so what I started realizing was that, you know, most of the time when you're going into the store or any local garden center, most roses are on, are their bare root, they are grafted roses, um, which is why you'll hear people talk about bud union. Most roses are not on their own root system. Um, there's any number of reasons for that. A lot of it is just breeding. Um, we're going to go into the history of roses in the next episode, so you'll see how roses have changed over time. But part of the breeding and cross-hybriding has caused some issues with roses, and so the way to get that vigor, and not to mention it's also easier to propagate roses, is to graft them onto rootstock, like for example Dr. Huey's. And so one of the things that I was finding out is that if you get a rose that's on its own root system, it's, it's a much better plant, it's a stronger plant, and the nice thing is that if you get a bad winter and it dies down to the ground, as long as the roots are alive, it will send up new shoots during spring. And that just was like absolutely amazing to me. I was really happy about that because one thing about New Jersey that doesn't necessarily happen, I know in other places in the country, but here we have a lot of, in our winters, there's a lot of freeze thaw cycles. We just, we just have a lot of it. And so, you know, we'll, we'll have cold weather, then it'll come, then we'll get warm period the plants start coming out of dormancy and then boom, we're back into the 20s. And quite frankly, I think the thaw free cycles that we have in New Jersey kills a lot more plants than just a straight hard winter. And so that was another reason that none of my roses were surviving was because that freeze thaw cycle we had. So the first own roses I got were from heirloom roses because all of their roses are on their own root system. And if I remember, because I believe Antique Rose Emporium, that's also the same for them. David Austin does have some, they have limited offerings, but they do have some as well. And so the first two roses I got, I got two Wild Eve roses and then I got two Jude the Obscure and I love them. Uh, they did very well. Um, we headed into winter. I was excited about, you know, the fact. And you know what? They did good um, until the end of that winter because it thawed out. And so they started coming out of dormancy. They started budding. And I think I actually pruned them a little bit. And I was like, okay, good. They actually survived. And I kid you not, like the next, like the next, within the next couple weeks, we got a major like ice and snowstorm and that killed all of the bushes that I had. And I didn't give up because you know what? If it hadn't been for that, the roses would have survived because they were, as a matter of fact, they were starting to come out of dormancy. So it was a late storm that killed them. 
but I got some more roses. I got, uh, I think the next, next year I got like Molinox. I got Lamarck, which is a noisette. And I think that year I may have realized that Flags Garden Center Mount in Morristown sold David Austin. Those are, of course, were grafted, but I did get some and put them in pots. And so Lamarck did not survive. It got transplant shot. And quite frankly, I did not know how to deal with transplant shock at that point. Uh, a, year, a year or two later, I had another plant and I actually got it through. And so I've had other plants, roses with transplant shock, and I have gotten them through. And that's going to be a topic for another podcast. And so those actually survived. And so I got... You know, I ordered more from Heirloom Roses. I did order more from David Austin. I got some from Flags Garden Center, of course. Um, I had them in pots for a while because it took a little bit for me to get into my own place. And I did, um, and you know, I did plant most of them. Some of the David Austins do better in South Jersey than others. So I did lose a few, but I mean, that's, that's pretty much any plant. But for the most part, um, you know, I had those roses they survived for years. As a matter of fact, I recently went by my the last house that I owned and, you know, from what I could see, the majority of the roses are still there. And so I felt like, wow, I finally, I broke my curse. But the thing is, what I learned with roses, because quite frankly, roses are very tricky. And if you can keep a rose alive, you can pretty much keep any plant alive. And so be, you know, trying to be a rosarian because that's, that's what I was after was to become a rosarian um turned me into quite a gardener and so now I'm I have a lovely garden and it's all because of the roses so that is the backstory on me and roses and so for the next few episodes of the podcast uh, first off, we're going to go over the history of roses and then we're just going to be, and we're going to talk about the different types of roses that there are. And then we're going to go into things like, you know, like pruning, um, some diseases and other insect issues. Uh, primarily the focus is going to be for New Jersey, um, zone 7A, because there are certain issues that, for example, I haven't dealt, had to deal with in New Jersey that I know other people have. I mean, I'll touch on them, but I'll tell you primarily if you're in New Jersey, uh, the things that you're going to find. And, you know, then we'll talk about, I think I said pruning, um, feeding, like how I feed mine. Um, and so some of the things like pruning, like, you know, really depends upon the rose. But, you know, there's also, I do have rose. And as a matter of fact, I just uh, did a filmed something about a rose that was kind of distressed and I'm showing you I'll be showing you how the steps I took to kind of like get it back on track so that'll be the next few weeks and I, at some point in time I'm going to go over fertilizers and all that because <laughs> you got to feed those roses and then you know I'll pick a different topic um maybe what I'll be doing is just another picking another plant that I like and talking about that but uh, that is it for this week's episode. And like I said, next week, well, actually, I guess this is every two weeks. So in a fortnight, and that's the English term for it, we will be talking about the history of roses and how we actually ended up with the modern rose. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, 
I'm going to be digging up some pictures of some antique roses in you know, the old garden. Actually, even stuff that's older than the old garden. I guess you'd call them wild roses or species roses. So you can see exactly how far the modern rose form has come. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you're on iTunes, thank you for watching this. If you're on, uh, you're on YouTube or Instagram. And um, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. The podcast is on iTunes, it's on Spotify, it's on Google Play. And I'm going to try to get it onto some other places so that everybody who wants to listen to it can listen to it without having to watch the video too. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. And I will see you guys in the next podcast.